johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. All right, guys, we are back for another issue of Sports Insider Radio, the John and Mike show. What's going on, Mike? Well, it's uh, we're here now in um, almost in June, which is going to be a very exciting month for me, especially getting married. A lot of stuff goes into planning a wedding. I rather bet sports in front of the screen every single day than try to plan a wedding ever for the rest of my life. I hope this is a one and done. I don't ever envision myself doing it ever, ever again. Cause man, I mean, I'd rather sit here and find the dog of the day and our dog model that's been running hot. I think now we're up to 16 and a half units for the season rather than sitting with a DJ giving them the timeline for with the first dance and then the cake and then the bouquet toss. And then, God, it's just been torture. But I think we're almost here at the, the finish line. Well, we know I can talk about a lot of things, but we'll keep my opinions to myself on, on the subject of marriages. Cause as you said, my track record isn't so good. I don't have a right to say anything <laughs> other than it's a huge industry. And the people that go into planning the weddings sure do make a lot of money. Um, and if there was a line at the sports book, and this isn't for you, just nationwide, you know, the odds are even money. So the, the, all I can say is the wedding planner. I think I have, uh, I think I have positive EV value at the moment with, uh, with the odds. I'm getting good EV sure. value at the moment. I think okay. so. All right. When I well, put in the uh, bet, it's gone down. When I put in the bet originally, it was good EV value, but. Right now, close to the wedding, we had a couple arguments, so you're not getting the best odds right now. But when I first put it in, you were getting very good odds. Yeah, but she like, well, me and her are on good terms now. That's all that matters. You know yeah, what say? yeah, of course. Um, all I can tell you is this. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the, uh, the food. I'm not going to eat for three days prior to make sure that there's no excuse with my crazy diet. I'm going to eat anything and everything that I want, and uh, that's it. So let's move on and let's talk about basketball and how hard it is to sweep and how crazy it was that the 
Lakers got swept, and how it really wasn't surprising that Miami didn't sweep. I mean, when you look historically back before we, you know, it's not easy to sweep. It's not easy to sweep. Um, you know, one of our big syndicates yesterday was all over the Celtics. He had him in a couple different spots. Um, it's you know, for the NBA playoffs, surprisingly, um, with the limited amount of plays we've done exceptionally well. Usually, you know, we're playing a lot more games in previous years. I think we've finally dialed it in, and the EV train has been exceptional. Now, we finished the season plus 35 net games, so think about that. If you're betting you're betting 200 a game, you made $7,000 just off NBA alone. I mean, that's including the juice on the entire season, and that's and that's from one of our groups who even told me I did horrible this year. And he wasn't, he wasn't even looking at the results. He was saying that the injury updates let him down. Um, I don't like to talk bad about a certain platform, so I'm going to leave it anonymous. But the, the platform that he uses for reading screens was not giving exceptional injury updates to factor in because that's what we do when we're when we're generating a an EV move. For us to get that, usually, even if there's injury concerns, the type of injuries obviously matter because sometimes it's already factored into the spread itself. Sometimes it's not good value, so you lay off. But what what transpired was the the injury updates, and that's I think NBA in general. You're just not going to get that. You know, Sunday morning NFL injury update where you're basically in or out. I mean, very rarely are you really waiting to the four o'clock games for a player that's questionable that he has to actually go out and and run through warmups if he's going to play or not. But a lot of times it's factored in with NBA because of the rest management. You really don't know. So from previous years, we did a lot of overnight plays in NBA went away from that this year. It just felt like there wasn't enough value because there's so many of these guys that are being rested, not even on back-to-backs. I mean, I think they changed the schedule where they don't have those three games in four days anymore like they did in previous years because too many guys were sitting. But still, a lot of these guys are on pitch counts. They wait till they get to the playoffs to really you know, be able to be there for their teams for 40 minutes a night. But Sometimes it backfires for you, kind of like the Lakers. They ran into a buzzsaw with Denver. Denver is obviously clear the better team. They finally have a full roster that they haven't had in previous years. I don't know if you remember um, during the bubble when the NBA came back and they played in Disney World, um, the Lakers played Denver in the conference finals, and the Lakers won that one. So in that series, Jamal Murray got hurt which is the second-best player on the Nuggets. Last year, they didn't even have Jamal Murray. So finally now, they brought in a team that's fully loaded, healthy, and at home, and the Lakers didn't stand a chance. I mean, it's they came in. Again, the Lakers were hobbling into the playoffs. They came in as a playing game. They won. They beat the number one seed. They beat the Warriors. But again, the, the Nuggets are just the team to beat this year, especially now that I don't see the Celtics coming back from 3-1.
knowing that they have to win again on the road and, and win the remaining three games. It's very tough to win three in a row unless you're the Nuggets and the Heat. Those are the only teams we've seen that, that won three in a row this far late into the playoffs. So coming into it, I mean, we know a couple good friends of ours who have a lot of action on the Nuggets to win the whole thing. Uh, they have a a five or no, it's a six K ticket to pay out sixty four that they're sitting on, and that's just in one account. They have a few other accounts outside of ours that they said they have even more action on the Nuggets to win it all. So, you know, the the contrarian side that I always see is all right. Well, if they're up, you know, two zero, at what point do you start hedging it? Because, you know, some, a guy that we won't mention on the show always told me that I was a square because I would say the free money word. And, and I didn't say that in a sense of a seven-game series. I always said that in a sense of the national championship game. You have one game, or maybe you have two games left because they have to win a playoff, and then they have to win the semifinal, and then they have to win the championship. You have the team to win it all. You have a huge payout off a small bet. At what point do you hedge just a little bit to make sure that you're cashing no matter what? And Sharps would think that is square. They don't look at it like that because, again, they're running it as a business. I would call myself a hybrid Sharp. I like action. I want to win, but I also like free money. So no matter what, I like to come out of every business endeavor with money in my pocket. Obviously, I'd like the full stack, but at the end of the day, if I'm happy making money on every single trade that I put out, I'm satisfied with that. So, you know, the NBA playoffs have been fantastic. We had we got the job done last night with the Celtics. Uh, the night before, we had Denver. Uh, we basically had Denver in every single game of that series, looking back. So it's 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 something that I I love. I love the playoffs. I love college basketball, but you know, I just know that before you blink, John, it's going to be training camp, preseason football, and we're right back off to the races for the weekend bonanza that is in front of us coming up here in the next few months. Uh, did you update the uh software? So the software doesn't update until midday the following day, so last night's are you talking about the underdog model? Yeah. So you just got to add the San Francisco Giants that won yesterday. They were plus 140. Uh, all right, I'm letting it load up here. So what I will say to you is this, you know, as, a, as you know, my son is 18. My son is a high-functioning, autistic young man. He's really savant-like with numbers. He can make his own line. I mean, you've seen him do it in action where you just ask him, you know, what a line is on what this line should be on a football game. He doesn't, he's, he's not allowed to look at the, any screens and he's literally like right on the number. Um, so we shall see what happens in the finals. My boy likes the Miami Heat to win it all. He does not care about Denver. He said there, 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 there's no matchup against them. He said it's literally like a joke, Miami. So I'm going to, if, if, when the when the final series comes, I'll put a little put a little gelt on there for him, little little hundred spot for my son on the futures. And uh, he actually told me he expected 
the Lakers to get swept. At halftime, he texted me. I shared it with you off the air. I never do these crazy bets. I got live action at halftime, plus 470 on the money line on um, Denver. Had a little fun. Put my, my dime on the four plus 470. Not bragging. It is what it is. But I went with him. He loved Boston yesterday, and he loves Miami in the series. So what do you got to say on that side about the Miami? Before we go on to other things, he, he says that he knows Denver's the favorite. He said it doesn't matter. It's meaningless in that little savant brain of his, big savant brain of his. Juniors, all I can tell you is Junior is going to be upset. Okay. He's not going to be happy. Well, he it's just it's, they, it's a bad matchup. So <laughs> I look at it like this. You know, it's everybody has a stance on this, and I get it from a fan standpoint and a statistical standpoint. He's a fan of a certain guy, and we know he's a big Jimmy Butler fan, and he he sees it that way. So I, I respect his opinion, but you're you're coming in to a team that has not lost at home during the postseason. I just don't think they match up well. I mean, Bam Bam Abadeo is going to have a lot more trouble with Jokic, who, again, Jokic should have been the runaway third-time MVP in a row, but the league didn't want to consistently give a guy an MVP, so they gave it to Embiid this year. Well, realistically, if you take away Embiid from the 76ers, they still make the playoffs. If you take away Jokic from Denver, they don't make the playoffs. It's that much of a difference. He's that much of a floor leader and a facilitator, as well as a scorer, offensive and defensively. He's clearly the best player in the league from that sense as a center. I just don't think Bam, who had to go against Robert Williams slash Al Horford this round, they just don't match up well. Boston is a shooting team. Denver is the completely the opposite. They do a lot of pick and roll. They have a legitimate big man that could, is the be, probably the best passing, probably the best passing player, not even the best passing big man in the entire league. They just don't match up well. And having to play four games on the road. Now, granted, Miami's played very well. That last night was the first time they lost at home all postseason. But they've had a lot of guys that are playing way above their pay grade. I mean, they lost a key player in the first round in Tyler Hero, who was the third best player on the team. And they have guys like Vincent, Martin, Struess, 40-year-old Kevin Love, guys that are playing way, way above their pay grade. And again, I give their coach, Eric Spolstra, a lot of credibility. The guy has put together a very inexpensive roster that is producing 20 points a night from these guys, almost 15 points a night consistently. I just don't see that against a much better, bigger defensive team. Not that Boston is not a good defensive team. They're fantastic. They're awesome. But Denver is just too big. You have Jokic that could beat you, Aaron Gordon that is good offensively and defensively. And you throw in Jamal Murray, who's basically playing at a very high, you know, elite level at the moment. Um, And then you throw in all their, you know, all their guys like KCP and Brown, 
that are just coming in and producing. They just have a very deep, good roster with one of the best coaches, and they're you know they're a one seed for a reason. Miami was in the playing game, so it's not like they've been playing well all year. They're just playing well right now, and they got Boston. I mean, I think Boston took it easy early on, and then they lost, and then they've been chasing that ever since. And for whatever reason. You know, the outside of Tatum, nobody's producing on that team like they did in the earlier rounds or like they did the entire year. I just think it's a terrible matchup for Miami. Miami wins, I mean, sorry, Denver wins in six, I think, fairly easily. I would be very, very shocked if Miami somehow still had all these crazy guys that are not even all-stars that are going to somehow still produce how they produced in these past three series. And if they do, look, I give them all the credit in the world. It's, I, I, could, I would not be shocked because I've seen it all, and I'm not you know, naive to think that it can't happen, but unless Jimmy is, is dropping 40 a night and those other guys are putting in 15, 20, I just don't see how Bam Bam – can can contain Jokic, the Joker. So that's a much different, you know, situation because the the round before, um, they didn't have to face the Seventy Sixers, right? He didn't have to face the Seventy Sixers in the in the in the other round, and then and and in the other when they beat the Bucks, they beat the Bucks because Giannis got hurt. So and he was basically like. 50, 60% the rest of the series when he came back. So it's it's a different animal. I mean, I could analyze this all day. I just think Denver is in a really good spot being at home, having home field, because uniquely, um, if Boston would have won the series, they would have had home field advantage in the NBA Finals because they had the better record, even though they weren't even a one seed. They were the two seed, but they had a better record than Denver because obviously the West is much stronger and having the best record in the league in the West is much harder than having the best record in the East and playing the East most of the year. So Denver's played much tougher competition and I think it's going to go in six. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver wins in five. Okay. Anything else from junior? Nah, I think that's pretty much it. We will move on to, Let's move on to NFL football. First, um, what, what, what's your take with um, the, the futures odds and where these teams are ranked? And do you think it's their fair odds? Or do you think there's some value with some of these other teams? I haven't really put in any futures uh, just yet. Um I don't know. I've never really been a big futures EV guy for NFL. I just it's so hard in the NFL. I like more taking the long shots in college football um, teams, you know, and then I personally like doing it because I've had success in the past where I, I do two future parlays where I'll do like the MLB winner and I'll do the college football winner or I'll do the college football winner and I'll do the college basketball winner and, and, and get some really good value out of it. Um, but aside from that, I mean, NFL, it's just such a tough sport to pick the outcome winner because you're not getting fantastic odds to begin well, with. There's not that many teams. 
instead of giving you the individual odds, I'm looking at one of the legal sports books odds on the favorites to actually be in the Super Bowl. I know our good friend Cal in Kansas City is listening, of course. So what do you think the favorite matchup is? It's Kansas City against who? So this is the fit. You can bet on both teams. These two teams to be in the Super Bowl, that can, is a bet in itself. What do you think? Kansas City versus Eagles. Yep. Kansas City versus the Eagles, followed by Kansas City versus the 49ers, mm-hmm. followed by the third spot, which is Cincy against the Eagles. And then San Fran against Kansas City in the fifth spot. So where's the Ravens? I don't see the Ravens in any of these spots. Well, everybody's got Kansas City running it back. Um, They've brought back everyone. What's that all about? Well, San Fran, with their, their defense is so good and their coach is so good offensively that they anticipate if they have... Another year with Purdy, who should be coming back. I think week one he should be good to go. But they they had a great year. I mean, outside of the Eagles, they were the, definitely the second best team in the NFC. Um, you know, and I feel like the NFC now that all those quarterbacks are gone. I mean, you got to remember, there's no Brady, there's no Aaron Rodgers. They're, you know, the Packers were not that good last year, but you could never count them out. So you're talking about, you know, there's no Russell Wilson. I mean, there's there's not that much QB talent that you have to be super worried about in the NFC anymore. So the 49ers have the recipe for winning. They just have to put it together in the playoffs, which they've just been a little short the last couple of years. You go to the AFC, you have, you know, just in one division alone, you have Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and um, uh, who do the Raiders get this year? Um, God, I'm drawing a blank because their car is gone. Um, I can't draw a blank. But and then you have Josh Allen with Aaron Rodgers and Tua, which the Miami Dolphins were coming up last year. They had a decent year. And then you come to you know the NFC North. I mean the AFC North, and you have Lamar. Joe Burrow, and um, and you have the Browns QB who is, you know, he's, he's still going through some uh, issues. I think finally with Mr. Watson. So, you know, you, you have so much firepower in the AFC that it's, you just see it. Whoever comes out of the AFC, they've just gone through the gauntlet of trying to get over, you know, winning the AFC that by the time they get to the Super Bowl, you know, it's they've been beat up where the NFC is just not nearly as strong in that sense. So haven't really thought much about it. I know the OTAs are going on right now. I have a lot of hope and excitement. I'm just praying this is the first Raven season where we could actually stay healthy for the majority of the year and, and be healthy at the end of the year. So we could actually, you know, show somebody that we are the real deal. And they could produce. I mean, Lamar's got more weapons this year than he's ever had. He has a new coordinator that's going to design more of a passing attack. So there's going to be no excuses after this year. This is the year. They paid him the money. 
you know, they they signed a very big free agent who's coming off an injury, but hopefully he's got something left in the tank. We have guys coming off injury. We have our defensive, you know, amazing number one linebacker in all of the league that we signed also with Roquan. We didn't even see him play with Lamar last year. So it's uh, it's an exciting time, but not to overshadow the exciting time right now because the dogs are barking. The underdogs have been barking. We're not going to give away too many secrets about our underdog model, but I know you've been saying this for years. I know you've been saying this for many, many years, that if you bet favorites in the MLB, you're going to lose. You can't make money betting favorites unless you're betting the first five innings, and you're anticipating that starting pitcher is going to cash for you in the first five, which still isn't a proven formula, but at any point, you could. that's the only way that if you bet favorites in the MLB, you could actually cash. I mean, right now, I think we're at 42% win rate for the season, but we're up 16 and a half or 17 units. Think about that. 40%, just, you know, a little north of 40, and we're plus 17 net games. I mean, I think that's incredible. Do you? I mean, I don't because I've known it for 20 years. You know, why well, I got people want to tell me that I'm not sharp and that I'm a square as they sit there and get destroyed betting favorites. You know, we, we, we follow a lot of betting groups, and, I mean, let's be honest. Most of these guys are just, they stink in baseball. They absolutely stink. They should sh- close up their shop after, the, after March Madness. Never eat. All these guys that I have access to, they're all so sharp. They're all this. They're all, they stink. They only play favorites. And I understand, and when I say they stink, I don't mean it in terms of disrespect. It's that they're trying to apply spread betting strategies to something that you can't apply spread betting strategies to. Yes, they'll have multiple screens up, and they'll see that they can get minus 109 in one place versus minus 111 in another place. I mean, this this is nonsense. This has nothing to do with the reality of wagering on sports when it comes to baseball. So if you're going to look for price and you're going to shop price and you're going to look for the best edge of closing line value, you stink because there's nothing to do with baseball betting. And I don't, and you know, we've had people on here that have always given me the short sample size nonsense crap. It's not short sample size. It's 20 years that you cannot make money betting favorites in baseball. And I mean, last night we went one and zero, but I mean, look at the board. It was just dog sit, dog day, dog day, dog day, dog day, dog day, all dogs all the time. So I mean, I always make fun of the Dodgers, you know. But again, when you have spots where you have teams that can be dogs, you got to rock and roll with them. And I told this to everybody: streaks are interesting. There's not many streaks in baseball, you know what. Like I said on yesterday's video, they try to do these correlated streaks where they say, you know, um, this team is on a streak versus that team's on a streak. There's no streaks. They try to combine the 10-game record. You'll see things like 8-2 and two in the last 10. If you look at most of the teams, Tampa Bay's 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Minnesota's 4-6. and six. Baltimore's 6-4. and four. 
Boston's four and six. Seattle's five and five. Detroit's four and six. Cleveland's four and six. Dodgers are six and four. Atlanta's four and six. Milwaukee's five and five. Pittsburgh's four and six. Mets are six and four. Miami's five and five. Washington's four and six. It's 90% chop back and forth, back and forth. Our good friend Troy, who lives in Vegas, in Summerlin, he's also a professional Baccarat player. It's betting baseballs like bet, betting on Baccarat. You're, you're not going to get, you know, 20 players in a row. I mean, it can happen, but the odds are you're going to get a lot of chop chop. Um, so when you look at the streaks, you know, Yankees have won five in a row. Okay. Arizona's won four in a row. Okay. That's it. I just gave you the two streaks in baseball. That is literally it. Everything else is win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Maybe you have one team that's lost three in a row. You actually only had two teams that have lost three in a row. Miami, but yet they're still five and five in their last ten. Minnesota has lost three in a row, but they're four and six in their last ten. So what happens is, like I said, when you log into these legal sportsbook accounts and they make recommendations of these like streak wagers, like they're doing you a favor and people buy them and it says, oh, 2,200 people have already wagered on this game. It's, it's what I call gambler's fallacy. You know, do you know what gambler's fallacy is, Mike? I talk about it on my, but you actually know the legal, I mean, not the legal, the Wikipedia definition of legal like you said, no, let me let me know the the real definition, please. So you said to me, um, who was it? Denver or Miami hasn't lost at home. Some team in the playoffs hasn't. No, lost. Uh, Miami has lost once. Last night was the first night at home in the playoffs. That's gambler's fallacy. That's basically taking things that have nothing to do, but they're just random, and it has not. The gambler's fallacy, also known as the fallacy of the maturity of chances. You notice how the word maturity is in there. It's literally on Wikipedia. The gambler's fallacy, also known as the fallacy of the maturity of chances, is the incorrect belief that if a particular event occurs more frequently than normal during the past, it is less likely to happen in the future or vice versa when it otherwise has been established that the probability of such events do not depend on what has happened in the past. As Brian Blessing used to say, throw out the last game, yesterday's history, today's a mystery. That's why there's no really such thing as a streak, especially when people try to talk about streaks in football. That's even more hilarious. You have 18 games played over an 18-week situation, where there is absolutely no possible streak whatsoever. They're all unicorns. They're all island games in that aspect. It doesn't matter if Kansas City opens the season and loses five in a row. That's not a streak. That's just five individual weeks where they lost five in a row or won five in a row. And so what happens is the reason why a lot of people lose is when they try to what I call handicrap they're looking at streaks and they're using that gambler's performance of past performances or indication of future results when in the financial world and the financial industry, it's the opposite. They literally have a disclaimer that say past performances are not an OT, not an indication of future results. That's your gambler's fallacy. 
Love it, you love realize, it, love it. It's, you realize when you say yourself, like a team hasn't lost at home or a team hasn't won on a road, you do realize that it's just random and it doesn't really mean anything. No, I was just making a point to. to well, no, no, I know. I, I'm were... just saying for the listeners to understand that that it doesn't mean anything. It's just they're talking points. It's just adjectives to fill in the blanks when you're on the radio, but it doesn't, or on you're on YouTube. It doesn't mean anything. That's why if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, and you watch my video yesterday. I was literally laughing every day. I log into these legal sports apps, and they're giving me recommended plays. The house is recommending to me. What I should play. Like, they're doing me any favors. I want to talk to you about Oakland. What is your take on Oakland? It's a team that I don't even look at. Oh, no, but I mean, I'm saying, like, there are people out there, I've done a video, I understand, but there are people out there that think they're going to, they're 10 and 40. So, yes, they stink. 10 minus 40 is 30. But they're down to 24 units. So I still maintain while it's working, it's not going to work. All those people that are late to the train, only the first 50 games of baseball have been played. We're very early in the season. It's a 162-game season. Yes, they stink. They've won 10 games. Okay. Well, Kansas City stinks. They've won 15 games. And, okay, that doesn't mean anything. What, what, what I look for is the value spot. And, like, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I have friends and that are texting me every day they play against Oakland on the run line. Well, like yesterday, they, they blew the – they were winning 2 nothing. They lost 3-2. to two. Run line, they lost. So the sports book is going to – create as much pain with a team like this as you possibly can because it really looks like every day you could just basically go on your computer and just bet against Oakland and you're going to have what I, you know, that word free money. Um, but I'm actively, and I know that you haven't been using them, not because you're not playing them. It's just because if it doesn't fire off, it doesn't fire off. I also think that this team, like today's a perfect example. They're plus 300. Well, just on that fat basis alone of being plus 300, of course there's an edge on taking them plus the one and a half, and of course there's an edge on taking them on the money line. But I think that too many people, back to gambler's fallacy, allow the 10-40 and 40 record to dictate if they should mess with the team or not versus treating each day as an end of it. Meaning the hypothesis from a betting point of view is, no pitcher who's not going to be in in the ninth inning, Miller, for instance, if, you look, if you're looking at the game, Mike, no mm. pitcher is worth laying 300. So if we start there, no pitcher is worth laying 300. Forget who they're playing. Is there any value on laying 300 even if they win? No. No. So what's the advantage when you, you – know, I just I'm want to give a breakdown. You know, you know I'm betting Oakland tonight. <laughs> no, you're not. Personally. I bet him last night personally. I lost. I don't believe it. We, we've did. talked about this internally. I think you're, 
you're, you're playing games with me. I've told you personally with my model, anytime Oakland pops up, I throw it out. I can't stomach playing these teams and see. I'd rather take away the variance of breaking even at the end of the year, maybe being in a plus than worrying about playing. Well, well, you say maybe being in a plus. You're not going to maybe be in the plus. You're going to be in the plus. There's no way Oakland won't be profitable for the season. They're only down 24 units 50 games in, which shows you the power of those 10 wins. All they got to do is just do a little better than they're doing now, and they're mm. profitable. And then as, yep. as, as people like you take the attitude, I'm going to leave them alone, they keep inflating the prices, which is why they when they start up scoring more When they start scoring more than two runs a game, I'll start taking them. I'll start looking at it with the underdog bottle. Can't win games when you score two runs. Can't win. I'm not sure you could... Why the win, when they win, they score a lot. When they lose, they literally score nothing. Need to hit something. Now, if your pitching stinks, that's okay because the pitching changes every night. But when you're looking at these teams and they just can't score any runs, it's debilitating for you to actually contribute. You know when they're down in the eighth, the seventh, the sixth, you know you're losing. If they're up, maybe they, they keep the lead. When they're losing, man, they're bad. They're, I mean, they are a bad, bad team. You see these losing streaks. It'll be interesting to see because they're one of the worst teams I've seen in recent years in terms of it because I, I do watch all of the the hitting data night in, night out, and they, they are so bad in every single category. And I get it. When they win, they're going to be huge dogs, so you're getting that incredible price. But I'd rather just exit them out of the entire model and – working out so far. You're not really seeing Oakland in the model of late, do you? Well, yes, I agree. And, and what I'm saying is, at some point, the gambler's fallacy kicks in where you don't throw them out. I'm not doing Especially, it. I'm sticking to my right. guns, not doing it. Not doing well, it. Well, it's not like they've. It's not like your models pick them every game anyway. We're just talking if it does pick them. Early in the season, it was generating them decent amount. Right. Well, let's talk about the most profitable team in baseball. Who is that most profitable team in baseball? Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles. They blew it last night. My son was very disappointed. I think they had the lead, and then they tied it up, and then they lost. Um, But if you've bet on every Oriole game, you are up $982 for the season. And the closest team to them after that in terms of profitability is... Actually, you know what? I take that back. They're not the most profitable team for the season. So who's the most profitable team? I was wrong by a few dollars. Really? Somebody somebody yeah. jumped them this past week? The most profitable That's team? It's got to be the Tampa Ari- Bay probably then. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Arizona is 29-20 and 20, plus 1,045 for the season. And the reason why is they're 17-12 and 12 as an underdog. They are 12 and 8 as a favorite, so they have that perfect 50 50 mix of dog versus favorite. Um, Tampa Bay, you were asking about. Tampa Bay is only up $600, $602 for the season. So that's a perfect example of the opposite of Oakland. <clears throat> At the end of the season, Tampa Bay will be negative, Oakland will be positive. You can, you can bet your bottom dollar 35 and 15, up 20 games. 
yet only up six units, six games. So you have sacrificed six minus 20, 14 net winners on the juice. Why? Because they've only been an underdog seven times this season. That's it. And you can't be profitable if you're only a dog 30% of the time. So like I said, I, I go over these stats. I like to rub it in people's face. I like people to understand when they're shaking their head, why me, why me? It's because they're in love with the pitcher who's not going to be in in the ninth inning. And let me ask you, when's the last time a guy's had a complete game? Have we had a complete game this season? I don't even remember. I don't think so. We're 50 games in. I'm not really sure. Not really sure. I don't think anybody's had a complete game this year, from my recollection. And I was talking to my good friend and our client, Dave, in Tampa. He was saying, you know, the average, you look at the average pitching starts, these guys are in for four and a half, five innings. Some of these guys are out before the five, fifth inning anyway. So you're looking at situations where you have really the concept of relying on the pitcher is such a flaw, as our, as our good friend Dave likes to say, a leak. It's a leak to handicap baseball based on a pitcher if you're really not even getting five innings. You have the opportunity to wager on a first five wager. The reality is a lot of times they're out before the fifth inning. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – like we always say, our biggest analogy we've always given is, would you take, uh, the, well, now that we can't use the Tampa Bay Tom Brady analogy, we could move it over to the Patrick Mahomes Kansas City analogy. If you have, if you're taking Kansas City and you know, unless one in football it would never be a perfect game, um, usually if it's a perfect game, he's getting pulled in the fourth anyway. But if you knew that Patrick Mahomes was not going to be there in the fourth, would you still take Kansas City on the spread? We all know the answer. Absolutely not. You're only taking him because you know he's your quarterback the entire game. It's the same thing with baseball. That money line is based strategically off the starting pitcher only. And anything could happen. Pitcher doesn't win 20 games and loses zero every year. Plenty of pitchers have non-contests where they're not even getting a win or a loss. They come in. They have a couple bad innings. Injuries happen in baseball a lot. There's a strain. Pitcher gets out. Now you're you're hoping the relievers are covering your minus 180, minus 200. So it, you have to be very strategic with the dogs that you play. But I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, it's I updated it from yesterday. 81 and 106. The average pick we've given out is plus 158. 43.3% win rate plus 16.6 net games. Angel, the number of the beast, 16.6. I like it. The old 666. Let me ask you, if I asked you to tell me what you think the record is of overs and unders in baseball is, what do you think it is? 702 games have been played this season. So I'm giving you the core number. So you got 700 games, 60% of the over. 350 overs, 352 unders. Wow. Wow. Okay. 50.1% to the under. Interesting. So everybody was talking okay. about bigger, bigger bases, uh, uh, 
the pitch, pitch clock. clock. They adjusted. Doesn't mean anything right on the number when it comes to the totals. Obviously, the difference is in favorites. I always say it's 60-40. Regardless of the rules, it's 58.1 of the favorites, 41.9 to the dogs. And that always vacillates plus one or two percentage points. But for someone like yourself that has an overs-only model, what do you think of the fact that uh, the, the, the unders are uh, head by two games? I mean, uh, I have an overs model that obviously the first month is really data tracking. Um, even though I've been giving out the selections, um, I think right now in the season we're dead even on the overs. And that's well anticipated. It usually really ramps up when there's more pitching data, which is the summer. So you're talking about when the weather changes and now you're talking about hot temperatures at ballparks, the ball definitely carries further. No different than in my golf game when it's warmer out, the ball definitely <laughs> goes further on my drives. But usually June, July, August, those three months, we, we really cash in for the majority of the season. So I'm fully anticipated a slower start. And when I say slow start, nobody lost anything. But it's it's producing where I'm seeing the data. And now of late, the last week, as there's more pitching rotational data, I mean, like last night, I don't know if you saw the total. Do you think I got there over eight and a half in the, in the Tampa Bay-Toronto game? Did you see that score? I think you did. It was 20 to 1. That's what they scored, nine runs in the top of one inning or something? They scored nine runs in the top. I mean, it didn't matter. They already got there. But that's incredible. 20 runs as a team, and they're not playing in Mexico where the ball travels further. And it was just teeing off on the reliever for Tampa Bay. And you're talking about the best record in baseball. Imagine that, getting 20 runs scored on you, and you're the best team in baseball. So, you know, your theory is absolutely right. No team runs away with it. Um, They always come back to reality. Because early in the season, Tampa Bay was the largest cashing team because they literally didn't lose. Well, how about this? Early in the season, the overs were up at one point. There was a 20-game differential. So the overs Mm -hmm. were up. While you were tracking, overs were rolling. And from that point, they've gone from up 20 to minus 2. It's a huge swing. So the line makers have adjusted these totals. Um, and it just goes to show you, like I said, if you look at everything in a vacuum, that goes. I go back to that gambler's fallacy, which is uh, you know, a lot of people like, Getting to that whole past performance is an indication of future results. And, you know, since this was originally Brian was our MC, you know, I love what he always used to say, throw out the last game. It just absolutely doesn't mean anything. Now, are there certain situational scenarios where, you know, like in a three-game series in baseball or four-game series, you know, yeah, possibly. But overall, do I really think it has an effect? No. I think every game, back to our good friend Kenny White, I'll steal from everybody. Uh, what his, you, know, you remember, his, you know what his motto is, right? Every game is a snowflake. Mm-hmm. Every, every snowflake is there. Every game is a snowflake. Just absolutely no correlated value. Even when they say things like correlated parlays, it's correlated by math, but it's really not. 
like the sports book will have a correlate, say you can't play a correlated parlay, which would be uh, the dog in the over um, or the favorite in the under. And mm-hmm. and if I if I have it wrong, somebody will correct me. But you know what I'm saying? It's usually one or the other: dog over, favorite under, and they're and they'll have a like a a betting limit on the correlated parlays. Correlated to what? Doesn't mean anything. I think it's a lot of pseudoscience. It's a lot of fake nonsense. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean we we have it down. I think we finally, after many years, have dialed it in, especially with the underdog side. Uh, but back to the reality of what's going to happen in the fall. I had some some future clients ask me, "What is really the advantage?" of what we're laying out in the fall for the football program. The advantage is simple. You're getting overnight access to positive EV trades. You're getting that closing line value, the CLV. What is a positive EV trade? That means we're anticipating when the sharp puts out the game, come Saturday or come Sunday, we have a closing line that we bet on Tuesday that is better than the closing line that is put out on Saturday or Sunday. So you're throwing in a lot of volume where you're you're just getting in your money and good. You're constantly getting in your money at the best possible price and the anticipation is the line's going to move against you. Most squares or even most recreational bettors don't have the intellect of finding these occurrences on the board unless you're doing this professionally and you're using some of those platforms like OddsJam or Don Best to, to find your CLV. Now, just finding CLV is not that difficult. Most you know guys that, that put in the work and, and educate themselves could do it. The advantage is our sharps that we deal with are the best screen readers in the game. They have a very good reputation. And the advantage of doing that is you are letting us do the work for you. It's called the 10X Club. The 10X Club is going to offer overnight lines. It's going to offer you daily coaching and money management. For myself, you're going to get all the different strategies of getting those overnight plays and those late releases delivered to you in real time on Telegram, so you're getting literally messages sent to you 30 minutes before we bet the games. Think about that. Before the line is even going to move, you have a 30-minute window to put it in at the best optimal price. And And I don't only mean that based on the spread. I mean that based on the juice associated with the spread. So you're talking about thousands and thousands of plays between college football and NFL. I mean, we've never done this before. This is definitely going to be a huge season, and I'm just excited that all the clients that are on board now get the advantage of making money during baseball to really have a larger bankroll for football, which internally is going to produce higher revenue and a higher uh, return of investment in general. So between all that being said, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm a football fan. I do all these crazy contests, which we all know the the group – uh, the the Smith boys, Micah, and his brother, uh, Tyler. Tyler won the sports betting championships two years ago for DK. Now again, you're 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 anybody that knows about the contest knows it's not all skill. 
you still have to just get lucky in that little three-day window, and you have to cash. But at the end of the day, those guys were putting in positive EV bets, a positive EV parlay that ended up producing. I mean, I, I remember the winning bet. The winning bet was the Jacksonville-Buffalo game. Jacksonville was getting a ton of points. This is two years ago, so Jacksonville wasn't good. And they had the under. And the game went way under, 9-6. to six, And they hit the parlay, which ended up giving them enough ammunition to be able to handle and, and bet more games that day to really stay in first place. So, listen, if somebody we know in our syndicate can win a million-dollar grand prize in a three-day sample, you don't think that we could produce for average Joes all over the world that want to follow and access to our groups? I mean, I don't even have to say that out loud. People already know our reputation and what we're capable of. So if you want to be on our good side and get access to everything that we do and and letting us mentor and coach you, you know how to reach us. But all I could say is before you blink, we're going to be in football season. That's the truth. And what about golf? How about golf? I know uh, I asked you about Kepka the other day. Is that a, we didn't have we didn't have Kepka last week. Two weeks ago, uh, Micah had a, a really solid output. And golf again, golf is kind of like underdog baseball. You're not going to hit and every horse single racing. day. You're not like horse hit. racing and horse racing. Same thing. You know, you're expecting to hit a few tournaments a year, and it's going to produce around nine to ten percent um, ROI on your wagers spun. So, just understand that that's a really good return and a financial gain. If you risk a million dollars, you're looking to make ninety grand. Not Risk fifty grand and make a hundred grand. That that's what gamblers go back to, and they stick to where they think they need to make the most out of every single day, versus treating it like a, a business long term and just expecting a return over a large, large sample size. That way is very repeatable, and you could do that year after year. If you're doing it that get rich quick overnight parlay card style betting, it's a I don't personally believe there's a a system that could actually make money doing it that way. So I stay if away. If you want to get that, in touch with Mike, I got to do a little ad here. If you want to get in touch with Mike, just send him a DM. V R underscore Mike M I K E S A F I R on Instagram. As always, you can head over to John's Syndicate. That's me. In my all my glory, you can listen to these archive radio shows online. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. We're here every Wednesday, and we'll be back next Wednesday. Happy hump day, good day, and good luck. 